Welcome to Jubilations, a Judaic podcast intended to educate, inspire, and motivate your hungry Jewish mind. Each week, Jubilations dives into the minds of influential Jewish people, speaking powerful words of wisdom. And here we are again in the same week to be able to talk to Rabbi Manus Friedman, the author of Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore? And second, second book, Off the Charts, The Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. And you can find them at itsgoodtoknow.org. So the first question I have is, what compelled you to write the newest book of The Joy of Intimacy? Well, the compelling thing was discovering that happily married couples are not so happy. (laughs) That in good marriages and successful marriages, there is a feeling of being alone in the world, which is not supposed to happen when you're married. And that, that kind of indicates that there's something really fundamental that we're missing. We're doing something wrong. We've lost something. So... In today's day and age, people would say, I love everything about my wife. But do you love your wife? Well, I love everything about her. Yeah, but her, do you love her? Not something about her. People don't understand the question. Now, our grandparents had the exact opposite. You know, we talk about the good old days and... They had marriages, and they lasted, and they were really married to each other. And people say, oh, sure, sure. They were miserable. (laughs) They just didn't have divorce as an option. But really, what they did have was each other. They were really married to each other. Now, there are a lot of things about each other that they did not like. (laughs) So they complained, and they quetched, and they argued But divorce? Out of the question. So we love everything about each other. We just don't see why we need each other. Like I understand you come along with the goodies. But it's about the it's about the things. They were about the person. And the things, no, maybe they didn't agree on things. So obviously the ideal is to have both. But we seem to have the things, but not the person. Things have changed a lot, don't you think? It's not like that anymore, is it? And is that what your goal is, to try to fix that? It has to. Let's go vintage. We have to fix it because I think it's a crisis. When people feel alone in the world, their immune system weakens. It's a health crisis, aside from moral crisis and So it has to get fixed. And I think that's why people are responding so enthusiastically to this book. I've never seen anything like it. Awesome. I love that. That's the way it should be. (laughs) What has been the most shocking thing about your experience with sharing this information in your book? Shockingly good. That's the way it should be. (laughs) The The most positive thing is that teenagers understand this concept even better than adults. 
Why do you think? I think that today's teenagers have seen enough of the social scene to know that something is wrong, and they're not yet addicted to it. Adults, even when they see that something is wrong, they're, they're too habituated to this game, to this social dance that we do, knowing that it's unhealthy. But it'll take a lot to make a change. Whereas with teenagers, just you start the topic and they pick it up and, and they'll, they'll, finish the, they'll finish the sentence for me. Do you think, sometimes I think that the younger we are, we have more space in our brain. We, it's not filled with a bunch of junk yet. And it, do you think that that's why? Do you think that they can, they can bring that into their brain better at and, a younger age? And they already feel a distaste for the whole social scene. Mm. They've had it. Too much pressure. Uh, it's, it's, it's abusive. It hurts. If you're popular, you're too arrogant. If you're not popular, you're depressed. It's, it's not working. Yeah, it's true. What would the world look like if people followed your advice? My advice? <laughs> it, it, this is not something new. We're simply trying to, um, to regain our footing. A home... is a very powerful experience. The word itself, come home. Uh, for for uh, people who remember the raid in Entebbe, when the Israeli soldiers came into the building where the hostages were, what did they say to the hostages? You don't remember? It was so powerful. They said, let's go home. Now, is that not exactly what they needed to hear? Yeah, yeah. Not, sure. we came to rescue you, you're safe now. No, no, they said the most powerful and the most appropriate thing. And of course, it came spontaneously, it wasn't rehearsed. They said, let's go home. Because when you're a hostage in a foreign country, what's more meaningful than to be able to go home? So home is supposed to be the place that nurtures you. That So instead of saying, I love my wife, I love my husband, love, love is the icing on the cake. It's not where we live. What should happen is when you come home, you are exactly where you belong. And you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And you are with the people that you are supposed to be with. That, tr that triple header, that's heaven. When you're somewhere and there's nothing no other place you'd rather be, and you're doing something and there's nothing else you'd rather do, and you're with someone and there's no one else you'd rather be with, Boy, if you haven't felt that. You know, so when people say, you really believe in heaven? I said, you've never been there? <laughs> That's very sad. You've never been to heaven? When you come home to your spouse, to your place, to your, that is heaven. It should be. 
Right. Just what, like you're saying. What do you so think? True. What do you think a soul does when it goes to heaven? It just says, "I'm back." <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, it's a good thing to know because that's how I feel. This is my haven. This is the space I make my family. It's their haven. Right. I make it be like that for them. Right. So instead of saying. So I, that's good to know, by the way, Rabbi, just like you say. <laughs> even in the world to come. Yeah. Um, instead of saying. Uh, love is the most important thing in the world. Belonging is the most important thing in the world. No matter how much somebody loves you, you're alone in the world unless you're merged and bonded and one with the other person. Here's another interesting thing. The Torah says, get married and become one. Can't you be one with your family of origin? Can't be one with your mother, with your father? I mean, there are good, some people have good relationships. Yeah, yeah. It could happen. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you can have a good relationship with your mother and father. But you're not one because your mother and father have each other. You're not the one. Taking you're, that away from me, aren't you? You're number three. <laughs> <laughs> Don't and, say that. <laughs> and, and the same is true with your children. You're not one with your children because you have each other. The only relationship in which you are truly the one is marriage. So that at, at the very least, it takes away the feeling that you're alone in the world. But then the marriage has to have the power that it's meant to have. The awesomeness of it. So the word mine is much more powerful than love. So when Tevye asks Golda, do you love me? Golda goes into a song about doing the laundry and making meals. What exactly is her answer? She's in effect, she's saying, you want to know if I'm giving you my love? For 25 years, I give myself to you. That's not love? Then what is? I'm yours. You're focusing on one detail? <clears throat> so yeah, that is that is much more powerful. How do you respond to naysayers that say that you are limiting people's sexual expressions and that's bound to be expressed in other than other not so kosher ways? I think the media has done a real job on us. There's a joke about a guy, he stopped in the street by some guy taking a survey. And the guy says to him, uh, how, how many times a day do you think about sex? He says, I don't know. If you would stop asking me. <laughs> That's good. That's stop true. bringing up the subject. Yeah, then I'll I won't able, think about it. Then I'll know how many times <laughs> I think about it. But if you're bombarded with it all the time in every commercial and every magazine, every, I don't know how many times I think about it. I know how many times you tell me. So we, we've really... And just like love has become mandatory, like we worship love, you have to have love, we also worship sex as if it's an, a mandatory, uh, essential uh, ingredient in life, and it's not. But some people say that you need to have 50-50. You know, 50 friendship, 50 sex. 
In a, no. mar- in a marriage? Well, that's what I always used to hear. Yeah, that it's it's 50% of your marriage is... Intimacy. Uh, yeah. But my, my, my whole point in the book is intimacy and sex are not the same. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's the funny thing. The subtitle is... Uh, what, what is the subtitle of the book? <laughs> the... the Recla- the Joy of Intimacy, A Soulful Guide to Love, Sexuality, and Marriage. A Soulful Guide <laughs> to Sex, Love. Love, Sexuality, and yeah. Marriage. The two things that are killing marriages, you ready for this? <laughs> the two things that are destroying marriage is love and sex. Now, most people think that's what marriage is made of. Yeah. That's it. Love and sex. Yeah. That's a marriage. Yeah. Intimacy is what makes a marriage. And intimacy means two people bonding to each other by removing all things that come between them. It's not a bond if you happen to both love pina coladas. (laughs) So having something in common doesn't bond you. It bonds the two of you with the pina colada. Or walks in the rain. Uh, So love is something you share. But that's not each other. It's a thing, a common interest. I love you, you love me. But we're, we're engaging in love. We're not engaging each other. In fact, love can be very selfish. I believe that. So... If I, if I love you with all my heart and soul, you might never know. Because love is my, what I love is my business. It's about me. It can be very selfish. Yeah. Sex also does not bond people. It actually keeps them separate. Because you're never so alone as when you're experiencing your pleasure. Wow. Another deep one. It's true, though. It is true. true. It's true. And that's why couples have to ask each other, how was it? (laughs) Where were you? If you have to ask. And, And what does it mean? There was just us. So pornography has found its way into our thinking. When you have a husband and wife, who's who's it? There is no thing going on. It's us. But pornography turns it into a performance, into an Olympic event, into some kind of a test of uh, virility. Or <laughs> that, That's not intimate. That's not personal. It really is pornographic. So I, I suggest to people, and here, oh, you asked about shocking. <laughs> What's shocking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that people will consider today they would never have considered five years ago oh you're just going to go with five years really i could not get away with this five years ago oh you you don't think so no for example i suggest that if you really want to see what intimacy is all about never be intimate with the lights on only in the dark and I do love that you say that, you know. You see? Yes. 
<laughs> people who are so secular, so steeped in the culture, and they say, wow, wow. Yeah, I can just imagine. If I said this five years ago, they would laugh me out of the room. Interesting. But if you think about it, you remember I Love Lucy? Yeah. The Honeymooners? Yeah. And all yeah. those shows? Yeah. When they turned off the lamp, you knew they were going to be intimate. Oh, wow. You remember that? Yeah. That was like the signal, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Because wow. it was the norm. You turn off the lights. Yeah. Who introduced this idea of being intimate with the lights on? I don't know. I, I guess I would I do I go back to porn? Yes. Oh, that's right. You did say that, didn't you? That's why. See, you put it in my mind already. <laughs> but it's so true. Well, if you're going to take a movie, you have to turn the lights on. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's become mainstream. Yeah. This is not healthy. This is really not healthy. Then what do you say to people though that say I want to see the, I want to see him, I want to see her, I want to look into their eyes when I'm being intimate? You're not being intimate, you're doing something. Uh-oh, there we go. Mm. Whoops. Okay. <laughs> because the eye can only see things. Yeah. And intimacy is not I visible. Yeah. It's not something the eye can see. It's true. In fact, I'm convinced that that's why God created darkness in the first place. Ah. <gasps> wow. Well said, Rabbi. Of course. Wow. Um, so, Rabbi, how does this apply, all the information that you're getting out there, how do you think that it, it applies to the Me Too movement? Oh, perfect. I think that's why this is so timely. What, what, what's going on? What is going on between men and women? Some people say it's the abuse of power. Men are in position of power and they're using it against women. Of course, women in power can be just as corrupt. And that's an old story that power corrupts. This is not new. The other opinion is that these things are happening because men have no respect for women. I don't think that's true of all these people who are being accused. I think some of them are very decent people. And they do have respect for women. And if you ask them, how do you, why did you do that? Why do you do that? Their answer, I'm sure, do what? It was nothing. It was fun. What's the big deal? So it's not that we don't have respect for women. It's that men and women have no respect for intimacy. It's gotten very messed up. It definitely has. That they really think that there's nothing wrong with what they did. Either side, of course. Yes. Agreed. Because under some circumstances, they would agree that it's nothing. Mm -hmm. But just change the circumstance a little bit, and all of a sudden, well, it's a violation, it's... And we actually did this intentionally. We can't blame anybody. We did it beginning in the 60s. What does free love mean? That it doesn't cost you any money? Free love means without com commitment, 
without responsibility, without anything serious, free, cheap. And it went downhill from there. Yeah. So everybody knew the shenanigans that go on in Hollywood and how you get to the top and how you... And, and it was accepted. Big deal. Now we found out that it is a big deal. That physical contact does have sexual meaning. And sexuality is supposed to be intimacy. And intimacy is supposed to be permanent. And permanent means family. And family means children. We got so fragmented. No, touching doesn't mean this, and sex doesn't mean that, and intimacy doesn't mean marriage. Marriage doesn't mean children. It's a smorgasbord. Yeah. Take whatever piece you like and leave the rest out. That's not holy. Holy is oneness. And the purpose of marriage is to achieve oneness. Like when you make that bond with your spouse and coming home is heaven. That's not going to happen out of love. And, and there's, there's too much misunderstanding if you consider intimacy a matter of intention. I, di I didn't mean for it to be in intimate. I was just being friendly. Yeah. Well, I, I thought you were being intimate. No, I wasn't. It was not, it's not intimate. I was just, we'll never, we'll never work this out. Intimacy is real. I think I told you this story. There was a woman at Beis Chana. Yes. You can tell it again. In Mount Column Court. Yeah. Oh, is that where that was? That's where it was. Oh, wow. The old okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She had neglected herself terribly, purposefully. She was like the, you know, uh, antisocial, uh, nonconformist, whatever. And she purposely let herself go badly. People didn't want to share a room with her. But she needed to talk about something privately, so we went into the office. She was sitting near the door, and she closed the door. And I said, leave the door open just a little bit. She said, why? I said, because a man and a woman shouldn't be in a room alone with the doors closed. She started to cry. I mean, heart-wrenching. I thought I had offended her. She pulls herself together, and she says, that's the first time anyone treated me like a woman. Now, by today's standards, there was nothing intimate about our sitting in the room together because you know, she was, frankly, uh, not my type. <laughs> <laughs> so I could say, no, 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 nothing. There's nothing happening here. I'm not even interested. But, but the reality is that whether you're interested or not, intimacy is intimacy. And being alone in a private space is very intimate. It really is. And if you don't feel it, well, then you're dull. Yeah, true. You're jaded. Yeah. So we can't go by how I feel or what my intention is or what I think. If it's intimate, you can't fool Mother Nature. So <clears throat> we have to regain a respect for intimacy. You don't play with it. 
Well, it's sacred ground. Take your shoes off. That's true. And you're doing really good work trying to get that out there to people to get them to understand. So May That's 10th. A public service. Yeah, right. That, and this is a public service announcement. So right. listen, <laughs> right? May 10th, Minneapolis Chabad, correct? 8 p.m. Uh, can people, where would people go to to find that information? Can they just go to the, the Chabad Minneapolis to get tickets? Yes. Okay. And do you remember what the name of that evening is called? It's very funny. It's got a good uh, ring to it. All right, I'll put it on Facebook because I can't remember what it was. Thank you. But it's it's out there. We put it out there this morning. Great. So thank you so much for being here again. And people can go to itsgoodtoknow.org to get the books and to get any information they need. And Rabbi, thank you so much for joining me again today. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Jubilations. May you go from strength to strength.